Philippians chapter 4 is where we are this morning as we wind down our study on the book of Philippians. And I told you when we, when we started this, this, this book is uh, just these four really short chapters are some of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And it's because it's a, a, a book, it's a letter that was written from a man in, in a circumstance that none of us would wish to be in. Nearing the end of his life um, in prison and really ultimately awaiting the day that he would die. And um, yet it's a book about rejoicing and joy. And we find the word joy or rejoice 12 different times in these four chapters. And this section that we're going to be studying today is just the same. It's, it begins with a reason to rejoice. And it really is all about the sacrifice that he is seeing the church at Philippi making, particularly on his behalf. But there are some lessons that we learn from this sacrifice. And the title of the message this morning is, What Sacrifice Says About Us. And uh, if you're in Philippians 4 and you're able, let's stand together as we read this passage of Scripture. The Bible says here in verse number 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Now, he said before that he rejoiced. Now he's saying, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful or mindful, you, you were minded to do this, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, Therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as we look into this last half or so of the 
chapter 4 of Philippians, I pray that you would just give us uh, clarity and understanding of your truth, but Lord, would you also help us to see how these things apply in our lives. I pray, Lord, that as your word goes forth today, that you would convict us where necessary, Lord, that you would comfort us where where needed, and Lord, that you would challenge us to uh, live a life of sacrifice for the glory of God. Father, I pray that you would have your perfect will in your way in your house this morning. Commit this all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So this passage that we just read is, is obviously is Paul communicating with the church at Philippi about their uh, help of him, particularly in regard to his material needs. We even took some time uh, back in October in our missions month and considered uh, how the church at Philippi really partnered with the Apostle Paul in his ministry by supporting him in his material things and giving to him financially and and all of those types of things. And so really this is a a portion of scripture that deals with the subject of giving. Now you've heard the phrase and even this time of year you'll hear sometimes people in the world, people that don't know the Lord will say something to the effect of this. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's actually a quote from Acts chapter 20 where Paul, is, he says that these were the words of the Lord Jesus. Now this wasn't recorded for us in the Gospels, but we know that not everything Jesus ever said was recorded in the Gospels because the world itself couldn't contain the books of all the things that Jesus said and did in his ministry here on earth. But this was one of the things that Jesus taught, that giving is better than receiving. And as, he's, as Paul now is uh, speaking to this church at Philippi, this really is the, uh, kind of the thrust of his message. There is a, a blessing in giving. You, you have sacrificed in order to help me and, and meet my material needs. I mean, he says, as I look at what, what, this, what this says about you, I am able to rejoice because it really is the work of God in your life. So let's look at verse number 10 here again as he says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. And he's going to go on and he's going to commend him. We're going to call this his commendation. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. So once and again, uh, this church had helped him, had sent offerings, had sent gifts to him. He said it in verse 16, even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. And he says, as I look at all that you have done, I am rejoicing in the Lord. Now you might look at that and say, well, obviously, Paul had reason to rejoice because he was on the receiving end of their sacrifice, right? I mean, it it would be easy for him to say, boy, I'm so thankful that God's working in that church at Philippi because I was really hungry and, uh, and they sent to make sure that my needs were being met. But it's important to recognize that what he's commending them for really has nothing to do with him. And he makes this very clear. He says in verse number 11, not that I speak in respect of want. I'm not not rejoicing in your giving because I am on the receiving end of it. He even says in verse number 17, not because I desire a gift. 
But he's rejoicing in that as he's watching and, and looking at their lives, he is seeing that God is actively at work in their lives. And, and really every spiritual leader and really every Christian who's worth his salt is going to have joy and rejoicing when there is evidence that God is at work in the lives of his people. This ought to be an encouragement to us. And I'll tell you this, and this is, I think, an important thing for us to remember. I desire to see, for instance, our church grow numerically. I would love to see all of these seats filled with people who want to come and worship the Lord and serve the Lord. But you know what's more encouraging to me than having seats full of people is watching God work in people's lives and seeing spiritual growth and seeing evidence in their daily life that they are walking with God and growing in the knowledge and the love of the Lord and that, that there is a work of grace being accomplished in their lives. And I believe that this is what, what Paul is rejoicing in. He's, he's looking at the church at Philippi and he says, man, this is encouraging. I'm encouraged by what God is doing in you and through you. Why? Well, because their giving was evidence, really, of the grace of God in their life. You know, we talk about grace, and oftentimes when we think of grace, we think of it in relation to salvation, right? You're saved by grace. It's the grace of God that allows us to be saved. But grace is actually somewhat of a general word that refers to uh, God's favor and enabling upon our lives. And so it's not just about, okay, God was so gracious to save me, but the reality is I don't just need God's grace in salvation. I need God's grace, His enabling grace in my life to do what He's called me to do. And did you know that even in giving, in this context, giving and sacrifice, we need God's grace so Paul gives us a little bit of a clue here. He says in verse number 15, he says, Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So the, the, the first church that ever took it upon themselves to financially and materially support Paul in his ministry was the church at Philippi which was one of the churches of Macedonia. But the, the encouraging thing to me is, when we go over to 2 Corinthians in chapter number 8, uh, Paul says to the church at Corinth, he says, Brethren, we do you to wit or to take knowledge of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Not just Philippi, but the churches of that region. And then he's going to go on and he's going to talk about their willingness to give and their giving spirit, particularly in relation to the, uh, the offering made for the saints at Jerusalem. And he says that, that, that it was the grace of God that was bestowed upon them that gave them this giving spirit. Well, if that was true of all of the churches of Macedonia, would you not agree with me that the very first church that took this upon themselves to be a giving church, that was the, simply the grace of God. They weren't following someone else's example even. They were setting the example. But God was enabling them to sacrifice for Him. And folks, I, I hope you understand something. To serve the Lord requires of us 
sacrifice at times. It is a sacrifice of our time, a sacrifice of our finances as we give. Just a few moments ago, we took up an offering and we're giving to the Lord. That's money that you could spend somewhere else and probably money that you wish you had to spend somewhere else. It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of your effort and your energy. And, and, and it can be a sacrifice to serve God. But friend, we need God's grace to enable us to sacrifice. This is what the Philippian church was demonstrating by their giving to Paul. It wasn't just their love for him, but it was their love for God. And God's working in their life that Paul was able to look at that and say, Wow, look at the work that God is doing in them. God's grace is upon them. Not only, though, was it evidence of God's grace and their spiritual growth, but Paul was rejoicing because their sacrifice really went beyond what they themselves were able to do, and it produced fruit that was above and beyond what they themselves would be able to attain. If you look at verse number 17, it says, "...not because I desire a gift." But I desire fruit that may abound to your account. We talk about this often around here. That, that as we, uh, uh, for instance, support missionaries. And we pray for them and we send money to them uh, to, to be able to do their work. That the work that they're doing, their fruit, is abounding to our account. That's our fruit. And when a soul is saved uh, in, in, in that place that they have reached... That's not just a result of their efforts. That's a result of our sacrifice as well. It's fruit that abounds to our account. I was in, encouraged, um, and I failed to mention this earlier, but I think this would be an appropriate time. We were a couple of weeks ago over in Ecuador. Uh, myself and, and a few other guys here from the church, we were in Ecuador visiting uh, Michael and Tammy Lee, who've been missionaries now for, I think, in the neighborhood of 20 years in a few different fields. And I learned, I didn't realize uh, this at the time, but, but I learned while we were there that uh, Brother Lee was saved as a result of the free day away ministry that we support down in Lebanon. I didn't know that, but that was what the Lord had used to, to get him the gospel. He didn't get saved there, but that was the first place that he really heard the gospel clearly. And, and, and he came under conviction and the Lord just wouldn't, wouldn't leave him alone until he ended up getting saved. And praise the Lord for that. And then I found out just the other night, we were down there in Lebanon for the uh, volleyball and basketball game. And I talked to Brother Ball, the pastor there, and I was telling him about Brother Lee, and he began to tell me about some others, and one of the ones he mentioned that had been saved there, I didn't realize, was Gary Kastner, who was a missionary that we supported for years in Chile and then in Botswana. And, and you think about, okay, here is, here is a, a ministry that we support. We send a little bit of money each month to enable them to be able to try to reach uh, our, our servicemen and women, and as those people are getting saved, praise the Lord for that fruit. But think about the fruit that's multiplied beyond that. We know of at least a couple of missionaries now who have gone and reached other people and started churches that are now reaching other people. And the work continues. And you had a part in that. Isn't that encouraging? 
I, I mean, to sacrifice. You might think, man, if I, if I have to write this check and give it, or, oh, man, I'm, I'm a little behind on my faith promise. I need to get caught up on that. And you, you kind of think, man, I wish I didn't have to do this. Listen, you ought to want to do that. And what a privilege it is to be able to be part of the work of the Lord. And by the way, again, it's not just our finances. It's in everything we do. Oftentimes we look at sacrifice and we think, oh, man, uh, you know, I wish I didn't have to give this time. Uh, this, I don't feel like doing this today. But friend, as you serve the Lord, understand this. You are expanding your influence. You, you are actually taking what little talent you have and what little resources you have and I have. And we give it to the Lord and he's able to take it and multiply Amen. beyond what we're able to do. That's a privilege. I would rather spend my money and my energy on serving the Lord than anything else. I mean, think about it. Everything else in the world really has a, a, a net negative return. The, the, the things that we work for, the things that we labor for, the things we spend our time on here, they're all going to burn up. They, they're, they're not lasting. But as we give to the Lord, as we serve the Lord, as we give of ourselves, this, this actually has a multiplying eternal effect. Amen. That's encouraging. And so Paul is, is rejoicing in the sacrifice that the church at Philippi was making because it was evidence of God's work in their lives and, and, and it was really enabling them, this little church in Philippi, we don't know how many people were there, but, but it, it wasn't necessarily a significant influential church as far as we can tell, except in the life of Paul it was. And now they're, they're, he's seeing what they're doing there, but he's saying this sacrifice that you've made, it's not just meeting my physical needs. It's going far beyond that. And there's fruit abounding to your account. But also, and this is very important, he says in verse number 18, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus, you remember that was that man that was sent from Philippi to go assist Paul, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you. So they sent a care package or something. And then he says this, an odor of sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. He says, as you gave to me, you really weren't giving to me. It was like you were making a sacrifice for the Lord. It was like you were burning incense before the Lord, in a sense. It was, when God looks at your sacrifice, in other words, he's pleased with it. It was a sacrifice acceptable. It was well-pleasing to God. And folks, that ought to be our motivation beyond all things in anything that we do is I just want to please God. I want to do the things that I do because I want God to be pleased with me. And so often we have our minds focused on being pleased with ourselves or pleasing other people. But all of us need to have this mindset. What would be pleasing to God? What does God want from my life? And that's why he's looking at this and he's saying, guys, I'm proud of you. I'm, I'm encouraged for you because I'm seeing that God's working in your life and, and I'm seeing how he's using your sacrifice. But most importantly, God's pleased with you. And, and, and God is rejoicing for you as well. So he's commending them for their sacrifice. But I, I think we would be remiss if we didn't take the time to look at the, the verses also that deal with his contentment. Because again, it would be easy for us to, 
consider all of these things and say, well, obviously Paul is going to encourage them to be giving because he's on the receiving end of that. And it's kind of the idea, you know, well, you know, preachers are always preaching about giving because they're, you know, they're greedy for money. And, and it would be easy for people to say that of Paul. But notice what he says in verse number 11. He says, not that I speak in respect of want. I'm not, I'm not asking you to do these things because I'm uh, selfishly motivated. In fact, he goes on to describe his contentment. He says, for I have learned... In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I've learned to be content with God's provision in my life. Now, this, you might think this is a change in subject, but it's actually not. As he's talking about sacrifice, he brings in the importance of contentment. You know, one of the reasons that people don't give to the Lord is that they feel that they don't have enough. Think about that. Well, I can't tithe. I don't have enough money. I can't give offerings beyond the tithe. I can't afford that. Oh, I can't give of my time. I don't have enough time. I need more. And Paul says, listen, you need to understand something. Whatever God has provided me, I've learned to be content with that. In whatsoever state I am, I think that this, this is maybe one of, the, one of the more overlooked verses of Scripture, if we're honest, is the need for contentment in our lives. Folks, I, I understand that all of us can look at our lives and, and see things that we wish were different. And we could even say, boy, I wish that I had that. But friend, have you... Have you stopped to think, you know, I need to be content with what God's given me. Oh, I might not have what someone else has. I might not have the family that someone else has. I might not have the, uh, the talents and the abilities. I might have the, not have the job that they have. I might not have the money or the house that they have. But I know that this is what God has given me. And in that thing, I am going to be content. You know, the last of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not covet. To look at other people and think, oh, I wish I had that what they had. It probably would have been easy for Paul to look at his life and think, man, if I would have taken a different path, I could have more than I have today. But he said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He says in verse number 12, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Now, there's something really important that, Paul is, that God, through Paul, is trying to teach us about not just contentment, but about God's provision in our lives. Did you know that there are preachers out there today? I'm sure you do know this, because some of you have probably heard them. There are preachers out there today that will try to convince you that if you are right with God, and you have enough faith, that you are going to have abundance financially. I mean, if you just, if you just give more, if you just have faith, you know, guess what's going to happen? I mean, God's just going to fill you with all kinds, and they'll, they'll take a few verses of scripture out of context, and try to prove that you're going to have wealth. And that's not scriptural. 
You know what that really is? It's a lack of contentment. To look, uh, what did Jesus say? Having food and raiment. Be there with content. If God's provided food for your belly and clothes for your back, that doesn't even include a house, by the way, or a car. And he says, be content. Be thankful for God providing that for you. Now, on the other side of that, there are, there are people that, that almost preach that any wealth, any abundance, any success is carnal and wicked. And if you've got you know, food and raiment, basic shelter, basically everything else needs to be given away. And it really is kind of one step away from um, like taking a vow of poverty or something. As though it's spiritual to be poor. And did you know that that's not true either? Look, look what Paul said. He said, I know both how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. Did you know that whether you are rich or poor is not a measure of how spiritual you are? It's not. But here is what the measure is of how spiritual you are. Are you content with what God has provided in your life? Are you willing to serve Him and sacrifice for Him and obey Him regardless of what He's provided? Or are you pursuing after something that God has not given to you? He said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And then look look at verse number 13. Is this not one of the most misused verses in Scripture? I can do all things through Christ... Which strengtheneth me. It's the favorite uh, verse, the life verse of every Christian athlete, right? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, which, which means what? I can win this game, I can score these points, I can lift this weight, I can be strong. That's not the context of verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me literally means this. If God brings me to it, He'll give me the grace to get through it. If God has given me something to do, He will enable me to do that thing. And so if God put me in a place where I'm living in poverty, I can be content with that through Christ. And if God has given me great abundance that He wants me to use for His glory, He can enable me to do that. I have learned that I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And a lack of contentment is really a a, a lack of trust in the Lord. And confidence that what God has placed you in... By the way, this is not just financial provision. Whatever circumstance you find in your life today... God has brought you here and God can bring you through it. If you're facing a trial and affliction in your life and you're just struggling and you're saying, man, I just, I can't do this. Yes, you can. You can. You can do this and you can be content in it if you're walking with the Lord and trusting in Him. Because there hath no temptation taken you, 1 Corinthians 10, right? But such as is common to man... But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will also, with the temptation, make a way to escape. God is able to to give you the grace necessary to deal with whatever your circumstance, whatever your lot in life is, you can do that by God's grace. 
And this is what Paul is saying. I've learned. I've learned how to be full and be content in that. And I've learned how to be abased. I've learned how to be hungry. I've learned how to be in poverty and to be content in that. I've learned to trust God regardless of what life brings my way. So he gives him this commendation, and then he speaks of his contentment. But then I want to show you his confidence, because he, he makes this really a promise to them in verse number 19. And here's what he says. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You have made a sacrifice for me, and really for the Lord, and I want you to know something. God will supply. This is one of the great truths of the Word of God, friends, that God has what we need. I don't know what your need is today, but I know that God possesses what you need. And Paul was able to say with absolute confidence, not, not I trust God will. He said, my God shall supply all your need. You say, well, the Philippians must not have had that much need. Because, I mean, they, they had enough to give to meet Paul's needs, right? Well, no. 2 Corinthians 8, as we just I referenced a moment ago, He's talking about these churches of Macedonia, and he says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. And then he says, For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. In other words, they were giving money that they didn't really have to give. They were sacrificing more than they had. How could someone do that? Well, the only way that someone could do that is if they believe, not just intellectually, but if they actually believe that God is able to supply. God can provide for your needs. God can provide for your needs. He can put food on your table. He can put clothes on your back. He can put you in a home. God can provide for your needs. God can provide Necessary time in order to serve him. You say, I, I, I wish I could serve God. I just don't have time. Listen, we might say, well, all of us only have, you know, 24 hours a day. The, the difference is somehow some people are better stewards of that time than others. They seem to get more accomplished. And yet I don't think the answer is always just you need to reprioritize your time. You may very well need to do that. But the truth is... God, if God is able to provide for you financially, God can multiply your time as well. I mean, he can. How many of you men have ever experienced this? You're working on a project that should have taken 15 minutes, and about hour three or four, you're about to pull your hair out. Anyone? And you're sitting there thinking, this is ridiculous. It shouldn't be taking this long, and... You're struggling and struggling and struggling. And then you figure out, okay, this, this has happened to me more times than not, working on a vehicle, trying to figure out the problem, and I'm just beating my head against the wall. And all of a sudden, it's like a light bulb comes on. What about this? And, and that's the solution. 
And you know, or, or sometimes I'll, I'll come to the end of my rope and when I've done everything I can do, then I look up and say, Lord, would you help me? And then the Lord just gives the answer, like, bam, it comes to my mind and, boy, I should have done that a few hours ago, you know? I should have looked up. It's amazing, though, how even little things, God can provide time. Make your time actually useful. He can provide energy, strength. Maybe you've experienced this before. Lord, I just don't think I can do this today. It wasn't too long ago, I woke up on a, on a Sunday morning, and I had a terrible headache that was right on the verge of becoming a migraine. I don't get migraines a lot, but once in a while I do. And when I get them, I, I'm just telling you, they put me down hard. And I, and I could just feel it was, it was right there. It was right at that stage. It was going to go from being a, a, just a debilitating headache to being a migraine. And, it was, and here, I, you know, Sunday morning, Sundays are busy days for me. And I'm thinking, Lord, I just can't, I can't do this. You know what? The Lord helped. And I got through the day. And that might sound silly to you, but I'm just saying God can provide energy. He can give you the strength that you need to do what you need to do. I, I'm just saying whatever it is that you feel you're lacking in. Oh, I don't have the talent to do this. Listen, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. God has plenty. And when we're weak, then are we strong. Because his grace is made perfect in weakness. His strength is made perfect in weakness. So, so God is able to meet you in your place of need. And he's promised also, by the way, that not only is your, is your sacrifice not wasted, but he's promised to reward you for that. Because Hebrews chapter 6 says this, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Did you know that God is not unrighteous to forget? You know, sometimes I, I believe one of the reasons that we look for the praise of men is because we feel like if someone doesn't notice what I've done, then that thing goes unrewarded. When the opposite really is true. Jesus said, don't, don't do your alms before men. Don't pray to be seen of men. Don't fast to be seen of men. Don't even let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. Why? Because your Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. God, God will reward you. You say, man, I, you know, I went through and I organized that whole classroom. And nobody noticed. Or someone else got the credit. And you kind of hang your head thinking, listen, God's not unrighteous. He doesn't forget. Amen. You say, man, I, you know, I gave a lot of money to missions. And I don't think anybody noticed. That's okay. God noticed. I'm just saying, as you sacrifice and give, God is able to supply. And God is not forgetful. And he's promised to reward you for it. So as we look at this church at Philippi and, and Paul saying, listen, I greatly rejoiced. In your sacrifice, it really wasn't about him because he was content with what God had provided, but he was rejoicing because the Philippians had learned something. Sacrifice for God is always worth it. And God is able to give you the grace to meet your needs and to help you in it. 
And so let me ask you this morning, between you and God, are you sacrificing for the Lord? Financially? Are you giving of your time? Are you giving of your efforts? Are you trusting God? Are you living with contentment, trusting God is Whatever God's given me, I'm going to be content with that and I'm going to use it for His glory because I know that God will reward me for that. God will be pleased as I give of myself and of my resources for His glory.